Love begins with God. It begins with the character of God and the conduct of God, with the nature of God in Himself and the actions of God in the gospel. All right, we're saving the best for last here. We saved the best for last. Um, the greatest of these, Paul says, the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love remain. The greatest of these is love. The third of three is love. Um, trying to, uh, to talk to you for 35... So I went to this thing this week on the state of the church in South Florida. It was a Barna research project. <clears throat> they did a bunch of surveys, and the preferred average sermon length was 32 or 36 minutes. I try to preach for 35 minutes. That's just kind of where I feel like is a good sweet spot. Charles Spurgeon, the great British preacher of the last century, or uh, of, the, of, the of the 19th century, was asked how, what, what he should preach about, and he said, I don't know, but about 40 minutes is probably what's good. Um, and so... Uh, my point in saying that is that there is no way, there's no way in 35 minutes that I'm going to be able to unpack the ocean of truth that is the Bible's vision of love. It's like trying to go to the, to, to the beach and taking your coffee mug and scooping out some water. It's just, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to get just a, just a little bit because in one sense, the Bible is really, it's really a love story. Um, the Bible is a love story. It is um, from beginning to end about love, and we're going we're gonna to talk about what that means. So, all that to say on the front end, um, we're going to get through this, and this is just like an appetizer. This is just like, you know, at Costco when they give you the little taste so that you'll buy the whole thing? That's what this is, okay? That's what this is. This is just a taste of what the Bible says about love. The greatest of these, the greatest of these is love. Do we have uh, 1 Corinthians 13? The greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest? Because it's the only one that's eternal. In heaven, faith gives way to sight, hope gives way to sight, and, and reality and present possession but love is eternal. The greatest of these is love. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to try to answer some questions about love, this great virtue, this great Christian theme uh, from 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Um, and we're, uh, so, so normally what I do when I, uh, when I preach a text, when I, when I teach out of a, a, a verse of the Bible, or a passage, is I try to just like go through that and squeeze it and say this is what it means in every, every detail, big picture. Uh, we're not going to quite do that. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to interrogate the text. We're going to ask the text a number of questions about love, and I think we're going to get some helpful, some helpful answers. So I'm going to read 1 John 4, 7 through 21, um, and then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to study and learn together. Sound good? 
I mean, I'm, that's... There it goes. That's what we're going to do. So while, while you all are bowing your heads in prayer, I'm going to go get my phone. We're going to act like that didn't happen. And then we'll read the text. Does that sound good? All right. Father, in Jesus' name, by your spirit, we thank you for slippery, slidey uh, music stands. We thank you for your grace. Uh, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us to learn this week about um, what your word says about love. And even though this is just a thimble of an ocean, this is just a coffee mug full of just a, an, a, the, the sense of what this, the, this great love story called the Bible is about, I pray that you would, it would be something that's true uh, because it's based in your word and that um, you would teach us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to stop moving this thing around because I feel like it's, it's uh, I don't want that to happen. You saw that I did like the kick save. I didn't quite get it. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him and He in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who has, remains in love remains in God, and God remains in Him. In this, love is made complete in us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love casts out or drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Um, before we start to kind of pull out what this passage says about love with a number, the, the kind of the basic questions of, of what, how, and why. What is love? The how of love, the why of love. Um, I think, I think 
in our experience, there are three enemies of love. We've been talking about this with these three great virtues, the enemies of faith, the enemies of hope, and I think there are three great enemies of love. The first, I think, is indifference. Um, the, the, I think the opposite of love, and I, this is not original to me, is not hate, it's indifference. Um, the enemy, uh, an enemy of love is, is this uh, apathy about the needs and the, the reality of another person's life. Indifference, just sort of like not being really worried about what's happening with a person or with God. I think the second enemy of love is inaction. Um, so we can say we love, but we, we're going to see um, that if we say we love, but we don't have any feet on it, we don't have any, any, any power in it, if we, if we say we love, but there's no movement there, then, uh, then it's just words, right? It's just words. Um, I can say I love you, but that is proven true or false by the way I act. Um, but, but here's the, the one that I think may be um, the, the biggest one. And, and I call it, this is, this is what I call zombie Christian love. Now, what is a zombie? Now, a zombie is something that is not alive but retains some sort of form of movement. It's, you know, a person who's, like, dead, and sorry, guys, you know, it's kind of creepy. It's Halloween time, right? But they can still move, but they're not alive. It's, they're not filled with life that makes someone human. Um, zombie Christian love is what I think... Um, what, uh, what, John, uh, what, what Mark Sayers has called the kingdom of God without the king, that there's a sense in which love is a virtue in our culture because of the way Christian faith has influenced our culture for, for hundreds, thousands of years. So there's this, um, there's this appearance of love but without the life of Christian love empowering it. Um, it's, it's love in some sort of generic sense without the Christian gospel and the truth of Christianity and the truth of Jesus giving that true life. Um, I think we see, this, we see this everywhere, that love, if there is one virtue in our culture that is considered... Um, unassailable, that is considered um, a, like it's like a trump card. It is it's love. That, that if so, someone says it's love, then, then that, that removes any other objection. And that's because our culture has been so influenced by the truth of Christianity and the love story of the Bible that, uh, that it has shaped the heart and mind of the world around us to the point where, where it, is, it is influenced everything. Um, Tom Holland, a British 
uh, historian wrote a book called Dominion that, that's really, it's very thick but very good, just talking about how Christianity has influenced our culture. Um, and so because of this, zombie Christian, what I call zombie Christian love, I think sometimes Christians are a little bit gun-shy about talking about love because, because they're afraid that people are going to think about it in the ways of the culture and not in the ways of the Scripture. Um, and so we say, no, 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 we can't, we can't talk too much about the love of God because people will think, oh, God is love, and that means He doesn't care what I do. We can get away with anything, and He just accepts, and He just affirms. And so we can't talk too much about God is love, even though it's clearly the testimony of the Scripture. Um, and I think sometimes Christians, um, in, a, in a reaction of looking at the Bible through the lens of this love story, uh, think, okay, we don't want to give the wrong impression, so, so we, need to, we need to compensate over here. So let me explain it like this. If looking at the Bible as a love story were to be like a yellow-tinted lens, um, and so everything you see in the Bible looks yellow because it's yellow as love, um, some Christians are like, okay, our culture has, has turned the tint up all the way so that everything is yellow. Um, but that's not all the Scripture talks about. Scripture doesn't just say God is love. Scripture also tells us that God is Lord. And so Christians will say, well, it's not just yellow. There's this other aspect of the scripture that teaches us that God is not just the Lord of, that he is not just the God of love, but he is the God of, he's a king who has demands and has, he's the Lord. And so they say, no, no, we can't tint our vision of the Bible with this yellow lens of love. We got, we got to look at it through this blue lens of Lord, that God is Lord. So it's like everything through this lens, God is Lord, God is Lord, because we don't want to fall into this other trap of God is love, God is love. But what I think, I think when we look at Scripture, we see, we see that yellow and blue are primary colors, and when you put them together, what do you get? You get green. And I think that's the lens. God wants us to not be so afraid of the lens of the way love has been misappropriated that we tint everything with so much blue that we miss this truth. Because the, the reality is, Scripture is very clear. What is love? What is love? What is love? God is love. Look. God is love. God is love. God is, love is who God is. And so, as much as love has been perverted and misappropriated and misunderstood and misapplied, we can't get away from the fact that the Bible tells us that God is love. God is in himself a father eternally loving, a son in the fellowship of a spirit. God is a triune God of love. There is no God who is not love. God is love. Why is the greatest of these love? Because God is love. God is love. So what is love? Love is who God 
is. And love is also what God does. Look what it says. Love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that He, God, loved us. So love is who God is in Himself as the Trinity, but love is also what God does in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us. So the problem isn't too much emphasis on love. The problem is it is not defined according to the nature of God and the actions of God. And this is how love is defined. God loved us. How did he love us? He sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation, the, the, the sacrifice that turns away wrath and removes sin for our sins. So, so the idea, what love is, is who God is, and love is also what God has done for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love is doing for someone what they could not do for themselves. Love is this action of what God has done by sending Christ for our sins. And so any definition of love without this sense of the nature of God and the actions of God is, is going to be in, in, incorrect. It's going to be misappropriated. But the, the Scripture, though, is a story of a God who is love acting in love to save people He loves. Um, love is not just emotion. Love is not just some sort of uh, acceptance or affirmation. Love is an action. God sending His Son, God the Father sent God the Son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. What is love? God is love. Who God is is love, and what God does is love. Question two, issue two, is the how of love. The how of love. So, if love starts with God, which Scripture clearly teaches us it does, in the character of God and the conduct of God, then what does that mean for, for us? If we have encountered a God who is love and does love, then what should our lives begin to look like? This is what 1 John 4 is all about. How can someone who says he knows the God who is love in his character and knows the God who is love in his conduct not love others? That's what this is all about. The what of love starts with God and then it moves to us. If God has loved us in this way, let us also love one another. So love starts with God, it comes to us, and then from there we live out love toward the people around us, family, friends, neighbors, fellow church members. Number one, 
how of love. We, we love when we share. Look, look what earlier in 1 John, look what, look what John has said. This is how we've come to know love. John is, um, John's kind of a circular writer. You know, sometimes we, you know, someone will talk and it's like point A, point B, point C, point, it's like a linear progression. John likes to circle back to things. And so he's, he's going to repeat the same theme, themes throughout this letter. And so what he's already said is this is how we've come to know love, that he laid down his life for us. So that's basically what we just read, that, that Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross is the definition of love. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods, money, resources, time, talent, treasure and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and truth. If Jesus came and he laid down his life for us, how can we not give of what we have for believers who are in need? This is, this is the, the, if Jesus gave his life for us, how can we not give ourselves and our stuff to others. So we love when we share what God has given us with others. We love when we serve. We love when we serve. And we see this in, uh, in verse 11. If God loved us in this way, in what way? In serving us and providing for us what we couldn't provide for ourselves. That is a sacrifice to wash away our, our sin. Then let us also love one another. It's very similar to what, he's just, what he just said in, in chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. That when, when we love, when we give of ourselves and provide for someone what they cannot provide for themselves. It's like, I can't pay my light bill this, this month because I don't have enough money. Well, you say, well, I've got, we've got the resources to do that. We can do that. We can love and provide for someone what they cannot in that moment provide for themselves because that's what God did for us. He provided for us what we couldn't provide for ourselves. He provided for us forgiveness and salvation and, and atonement that we could not provide for ourselves because of our sin. And the third how of love is the Spirit. Verse 13, this is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. We know from further down um, here in verse 16, the one who remains in love remains in God. So, Remaining in Him and He in us by the Spirit is tied in integrally with love. So, so what, what does this mean? It means you cannot love others without the Spirit of God inside of you. You cannot love in a sharing and serving sacrificial way without the Spirit of God inside of you. This is the, this, the, the power and the motivation and the strength to love can only come from the power of the spirit of love within us. 
Sometimes, you know, you um, talk about love, and it's sort of like an amorphous kind of like, just kind of know it when you feel it. It just strikes you. And there's a sense of sentimentality in that, but there's also, I think, an echo of what the Spirit does in the heart of a person when, he, when the Spirit of God sparks the desire to love, to share, and to serve because of what God has done for that person. Why? Why? What is the, the, so we talk about what, what is love, the character of God and the conduct of God, the how of love, sharing, serving in the Spirit, the why of love. Why should we love? Well, number one, love gives visibility to the invisible God. So we can't see God. We, we don't, and, and I don't know if you, sometimes this is really frustrating. I don't know if you've ever thought about, like, like God is invisible. Um, and I don't know if you've ever had the sense of praying and, like, you're speaking to someone who you cannot see. I don't know if you've ever thought about how crazy that can seem sometimes. An invisible, we have, God says in His Word, He is an invisible God. He is, he is spirit. He is, not, he is not physical. He's not material. He is not, not in the, the realm of our experience, in our, in our ability to, 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 to apprehend Him. But look what John says in verse 12. He says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. What's he mean there? He means when you love another person, you are giving visibility to the God who is spiritually invisible. That you are showing the character of God in the way you're acting toward another person. And people will know that God is real because of the way Christians love one another. This is how all will know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another, Jesus tells us in John 13. The second why of love. Love gives Christians confidence. In this love is made complete with us. Verse 17 so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in the world. When the love of God settles into our heart um, in a real, unshakable, kind of like permanent way, we begin to live life without the insecurity that everything's going to fall apart at the end. Love may complete in us so we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because if we're sure that God sent His Son to die for our sin, then we, we don't have anything to be afraid of in the long run. That we don't have anything to worry about, that there's not going to be another shoe that's going to drop. 
but that God's got us. And that we will not experience judgment, we will experience acceptance, salvation, approval, joy, heaven. And that goes straight into this third thing, that love drives out fear. Love drives out fear. Look what he says. He continues this thought in verse 18. He says, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Why does perfect love drive out fear? Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. You know, there's a lot of things to be afraid of. A lot of things to be afraid of in this world, in, the, in, in our experience. Um, but the most fearful thing, the most fearful thing is to fall in the hands of a holy God without assurance that He loves you, but that He's going to punish you. Like approaching a, you know, I, when I was a kid, I did something wrong. I don't remember what it was. And my mom said, when we get home, your dad's going to take care of this. Fear involves punishment. Um, now, here's the thing. If you're not in Christ, you should be afraid of what that punishment will be because Christ took that punishment on the cross, but if you have not turned from your sin and trusted in Him, then you are in essence saying, no, no, I will take care of it myself. And God's like, okay, you take care of it yourself. That means that, you know, here you go. If you're an unbeliever and you don't know Christ, then you should be afraid. You should be afraid. Because the Bible speaks of a God of love, but the, but the God of love is also Lord. And we look at the Scripture, we see the yellow lens of love and the blue lens of, of God as Lord, and we see through the green lens that He is the Lord of love and the loving Lord, so that all who are in Christ are safe, and all who are outside of Christ are lost. But if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are safe, and you don't have anything to be afraid of. And I think so often, we, we as Christians, we, we kind of, we relate to God as we related to Him before we were in Christ. And we relate to Him from a place of fear, rather than a place of trust that he's got us. So, what now? What now? Um, talk through some basics. Remember, this is just a thimble full of the truth of the love story of Scripture. But what, what, do, we do, what do we do with this? What are, what are the practical implications? Here's the first thing. Get first things first. Here's what I mean by that. Love begins with God. It begins with the character of God and the conduct of God, with the nature of God in Himself and the actions of God in the gospel. If we define love 
and our relationship of love with God, based upon our love for Him, we will be in a constant state of disappointment. Because our faith is a faith that starts with the love of God for His people, for His world, though they didn't deserve it. And when you, when you get this first, when you realize that God is love and He does love, it, it, it gets, uh, it, puts engine, it puts gas in the engine. Um, God's love is first. So, so before you try to live a life of love, you need to receive the love of God for you in Christ. Number two, give stuff to other people. It's very, very practical. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and does not provide, how does the love of God reside in him? Do I, I think we might have that verse up here again. Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Um, if there is someone in the body of Christ who is in need, there are others in the body of Christ with the resources to meet that need. It should not be the case that you're a part of a community and there are some people who can buy multiple vehicles and pay, you know, for grand vacations, and there are other people who can't put food on their table. This isn't communism. This is Christianity. If you have the world's goods and you see your brother in need and you don't provide for them, how does the love of God abide in you? Don't love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Um, you can't control the presence of God. I don't know if you know this or not. God, God kind of just does what He wants. Um, but I, I can tell you that the type of church, um, the type of church where it seems like God is showing up is a church that loves one another in tangible, real ways. Number three, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone, understand this, everyone, it's a word, should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Some of you, that's a word for you right now. Slow to anger. Um, loving is more than just listening, but it is not less than listening. And uh, some of you know something very close to uh, that I, I believe very strongly about is, um, you know, that the, the church should be a multi-ethnic body, and that's because of the story that I've lived as a pastor where I was in a church that was 60% black, and I was a white guy, and, and, and I, it, it, it's, to me, it's, it's, not, it's not an issue of... Um, It's not a social issue, it's a gospel issue. And, and what I mean by that is, if we love someone, not in 
theoretically, but for real, like we're going to listen to them. And we're going to hear their story, and we're going to hear their hurt, and we're going to hear their pain, and we're going to hear what it means for them to live in the world, and we're going to say, oh, wow. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, listening to the believer, the persecuted church th- through the world, throughout the, throughout the globe that are suffering for Jesus, we, we, we need to hear their stories to love them well. Um, sur- survivors of abuse. I think we need to be quick to listen. Um, slow to speak. Slow to anger. Uh, I don't know about you, but You rarely feel more loved than when you feel heard. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of someone talking over you. It's a bad habit in our <laughs> our family. We're just it's like a competition to get words out, you know. And uh, if you feel unheard, then you're like, well, does this person? I mean, how do we love God? We hear Him. We listen. So be slow to speak, quick to listen. Hear what your brothers and sisters are saying. And put yourself in places where you're able to listen to people that God has put in your family. The, the kind of the last aspect of this idea of listening is listen to echoes of the love story in our world. They're, they're everywhere in ways that people don't even intend. Um, the true story of the world is the love story of God and His church. And so there are going to be echoes of that through the world because it's, it's what God's put in our hearts. There's, there's a song, it's, it's not a great song, but it's a song um, by Peter Gabriel called The Book of Love. It's just a cheesy, little bit overly sentimental song, but I was listening to it, and I realized this is a song about the Bible. He didn't even know it. He thought it was just, he was writing it for some movie back in the early 2000s, and he wrote a song about the Bible. And the lyrics go like this, the book of love is long and boring, okay, Sometimes feels that way, right? No one can lift the darn thing if you got a chain, you know, Thompson chain, you know, or a big study Bible. It's full of charts and facts and figures, okay? Yeah. And instructions for dancing. David danced before the Lord. And he says, I love it when you read to me, and you can read me anything. The book of love has music in it, the Psalms. In fact, that's where music comes from. Some of it's transcendental and, and, and just, whew. some of it's just really dumb. Well, no, okay. Peter, you didn't get it all right. He says, I love it when you sing to me and you can sing me anything. The book of love is long and boring and written very long ago. 
It's full of flowers and heart-shaped boxes. And I love this line. And things we're all too young to know. He says, I love it when you give me things and you ought to give me wedding rings. You know, um, I took a Shakespeare class. I was an English major in college. And there are two types of Shakespearean plays. The tragedies and what they call the comedies. Do you know what the... The comedy isn't necessarily funny, but it has a specific ending. Do you know what that ending is? It's a wedding. The tragedy ends in a death, and the comedy ends in a wedding. How does the Bible end? Revelation 19. People from every tongue and tribe and family and nation are gathered around the table at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So there, I think there are echoes of this love story throughout our world that can be hooks for us to point people to the love of God for them in Christ. And the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, by your Spirit, I just um, pray that you would take this, uh, this meager thimble full of truth um, from your word about love, and um, you would, uh, it would help us first to get things right order in order that, um, that we would feel your love and sense your love first, and then from there move to a place of love for others, for you and for others, and, uh, and that you would just um, make us people who love according to your word and your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.